And this morning, as we are celebrating homecoming, it's a very special opportunity. And so I want to welcome forward four people in the life of this church. This morning we have Jordan Brewer, Andrew Passmore, Lynn Merchant, and Charles Dupree who are going to be coming forward to share a bit of their story about their time in this church at Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist Church and what this church has meant to them. So I want to go ahead and welcome them forward in this time as they share with you. And then after they finish, uh, Dr. Bishop will be giving us our homily. So, Jordan. Hello, my name is Jordan Brewer. I am 11 years old and I have just begun my first year of middle school. I was baptized here when I was just 10 months old, so I have been a member of this church for about 10 years. I have been blessed with the opportunity to go to this church. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. I have learned so much from my Sunday school teachers and preachers about the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you all for blessing me with the wonderful opportunity to go to this church and have such a wonderful church family. Thank you. When I think of our time at Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist, the relationships we've grown and the friendships we've made come to mind. Ellis and I have been members of this church for going on 11 years. When we first visited a service in the fall of 2008, we were greeted before the church service began by the young adult contingent of the church who immediately embraced us as friends. As we continued to attend, these friendships have become as close as family. Over the years, we've supported each other through the celebration of childbirth, as well as the sickness and loss of close family, all while attending a parade or two along the way. Looking at you. As Ellis and I have served the church in various ways, we've made friends from other generations as well. Roughly eight years ago, the church faced a fairly significant financial strain. When I think back on that time in the church, I choose to remember the good that came away from those hardships. For me, the good was the additional friendships I made. It was Janice Small and Joanne McConnell who I shared football memories with. It was Bob Roy who was able to see the good in everyone even during the plight. It was relationships built and relationships grown. Times were not so bad after all. As I think back over the last decade, for which we've been part of Spring Hill Avenue, it's not this beautiful sanctuary or how good or how, or how bad the sermons given were. I won't, I won't ask which side, Micah, you think you're falling on. In all seriousness, it's all of you that I think of and how lucky the Passmores are to be a part of the body of Christ at Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist.
So, a little terrifying if you have to say, but Micah did ask me to tell you what our church means to me, and it's very simple. It's a place of belonging. I could stop right there, but I do want to share a quick story about our first visit here 11 years ago. <clears throat> On the Monday after we visited, I came home to find a hot-baked apple pie in a church coffee mug on my porch. And I thought, who, who does this? This is a little crazy. Who brings pies? Well, it was from y'all, this sweet church. Namely, Janice Small's daughter, Daryl Walker. Did I just find Mayberry? No but I did just find my new church home. It wasn't the pie. That was a nice touch, and it was certainly sweeter, haha, than a card, but it was the extra act of service and kindness that really touched my heart. And ever since that Sunday, whenever I walk through these church doors, whether it's for a Bible study, decorating for Christmas, a meeting, my bread delivery, just a chit-chat, or for my precious, wonderful, relaxed, and very loving 8.30 worship service, that's my plug, I always feel very welcomed and very, extremely, very loved. Our church is very, very beautiful, and that may have been the reason we first came to try y'all out. But beyond all of her beauty, and yes, even beyond all of her flaws, the sad poor roof, and all the water problems, beyond all of that, there lies a beautiful pounding heart. All of our hearts beating as one heart a heart that just wants to welcome people to feel the love and grace of Christ and a sense of true belonging. Thank you. It was perhaps many years ago, perhaps in the early 1970s, when I sat in my grandmother's house and I remember someone saying about the churches and the general neighborhood, and she only lived a couple blocks from here, and someone said an expression I have never forgot. They mentioned the names of several of the churches, and someone said, there is another church over there pointing, pointing in the general direction of this church. And at that time, it, it meant very little to me. I didn't know the name of the church. No one seemed to recall the name of the church, the other church over there. And it would be probably in the early 1990s before I one day came to the other church over there, which is, of course, this church. And me and my sister came here 
originally trying to find a youth group for her daughter, which we successfully did, and in the process of finding and seeking help for someone much younger than ourselves, we found a great deal of spiritual help for ourselves. And after visiting the church for a few weeks, one gentleman who I perceived to be ahead of the evangelism of the church, Claude Griffin, I think many of you know, he said to me, I'd like for you to come to my Sunday school class. And he had visited me at my house and we had discussed some things. And perhaps the most unique part of that is generally when you invite someone to your Sunday school class or you invite someone to church, you don't then tell them, oh, by the way, you're going to teach the class. And he asked me if I would give my profession of faith in class, which I did. And he just casually told me I could take up, you know, 30 or 40 minutes, whatever I needed. And so I did, and we had a wonderful friendship to his passing. And little did I know that one day I would teach that class. And prior to even joining the church, which I did a few years later, I served on the trustees, and then I served on a number of committees, some which do not even exist anymore. Some have merged together, but among those committees and those, those activities I participated in, evangelism was always important. Also, the mission program was important to me. And perhaps the mission committee is the one we think of so often if we think of any committee, for we have monthly projects each month. And as I, I contemplated, you know, what was my life or what was going to be next at the church, it seemed to take on the various routines and things that one encounters. I've had the privilege of serving not only on some of the committees we are well aware of their activities, but I have been blessed by serving on some others whose proceedings are not as well known. And one day I said to Claude, Claude, does our church have a written church history? And he assured me they did, and he got me a copy of it, and I read it and returned it courteously. And a few years later, when the then church historian Esther Walters decided to move to Florida, I was asked if I would like to be the church historian. And it, it sounded nice, but I really wasn't sure what a church historian did. And even to this day, I'm learning more and more what a church historian does. And during that time of growth and understanding and changing things that I have did and trying to record our history, I want everyone to know that one thing, we are not living in the past. The history committee is recording the past and preserving the great works of God that he has did these 144 years. 
what we're doing this very day at this very moment is part of that history and will be recorded. And we write a continuous history and with the help of Sue Bass, who is my technical advisor, I like to thank. We have been able to record and preserve not only for this day, but for those who come after us. And one of the scriptures that, that speaks to me is from Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and which it assures us to encourage each other with love and to work together and do not forsake, forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. It is a joy to stand here and look out upon a congregation with as many people as we have today. It is a true blessing. And so I like to say, be careful when you ask those little questions. Perhaps they seem so insignificant. Does our church have a written history? I never thought at that time that someone would one day say, I want you to be the church historian, a position I now have held since about 2001. But despite all of that, one of the things that speaks to me when I think about the mission programs, I think about the church. We try to reach out to other people and communities and we are successful in many ways. And I could sit here and enumerate those, but I think you know the various programs enough that I need not do that. But one of the most touching experiences I think I have had since I have been here occurred within the last year. And we have been trying through the work of Mark Brewer and through the work of the other church pantry to feed people who are not as blessed financially as we are. And through those efforts and those undertakings, a church in Leakesville, Mississippi, a Baptist church, found out about us, Mason Chapel Baptist Church, and they wanted to help us, and they did help us. And I think that touched all of us greatly. If they had given us one can of soup, I think we would have been tickled, but they went far beyond that. And when I think about that, it makes me think about how do we interact with each other? Sometimes it is easier for us to reach out to those others who are less fortunate but all of us had needs. Whether it be physical, emotional, or spiritual, we all need to minister to each other. And one of the most touching things I have had happen to me is for someone to say, I'll pray for you. I'll remember you in my prayers. But what goes far beyond that? is for someone to stop and pray. And I have been blessed by that in a committee in which the leader of that committee lifted my name up in prayer as soon as it was possible. What a joy to say to someone, I am praying for you, and what a greater joy to say to someone, let's have prayer. Thank you.
you think you were nervous. Um, I've got to follow those four, and um, that's a lot to expect from anybody. So I'm going to make it not about me and make it about you all. Um, it's always easier for me if I get the focus over the fact that I'm standing here, leading worship, helping you all, assisting you all in worshiping God, and giving God your very best this morning. A couple of things before, um, I just want to take some privilege here. Mrs. Langdon Garrison is with us this morning with her daughter and son-in-law, and I just want to welcome Mrs. Garrison back to this church. Thank you for your service to the church and serving your husband so well. Thank you very much, and I'm glad you're here. Also, Reverend and Mrs. Mike Gaby are here, and he's in a little trouble because if I'd showed up at his church this morning, he wouldn't be there, and I wouldn't know where he was. <laughs> but I'm glad he's here, because it means they're taking some time off. You can tell me at lunch who's got the moms this morning, right? And um, I'm glad you're here, and I heard you've got a singing voice. I mean, I knew that Priscilla did, but I had no idea you had a singing voice, so just no telling where we're going to use that gift in the future and that you've come home to homecoming here, and I'm glad that you can be here. If there are others, I'm sorry that the choir missed you because they're the ones that have been pointing out to me, all the people that are here. So if I missed you, I'm blaming it on the choir. I'll get that, right? And I want to thank the choir, too. You know, they sang Amazing Grace, but not the way we've always sung it. And when you sing something differently to a different tune, you pay attention to the words, because it's just not that same old thing. So I want to applaud the choir for your bravery this morning to step out and do it differently, different than the way we've always done it. And you did it so well. Thank you. The bishop would love to be here this morning. As Reverend Wright has said, he had some family business to care for, and we gave him the peace to be able to do that. By we, I mean you all, when I said that they'll be fine, they've got a plan. I didn't realize the plan was going to include me at the time. I would have been here this morning anyway when the bishop's in a church in the district. I try to be there. And because of that, I know what he would say to you now. He would say that I know I am the only thing between these people here in front of me and a great meal. So I better make it good and pretty short. So Reverend Wright keeps using the word homily. Homily is a short sermon, so every time he, sees, he says homily, I'm reminded that I'm supposed to be brief. I teased him that it says sermon in the bulletin, so I've got the whole time I want if I, in writing. So God's word this morning comes to us from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. If you are able, will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Let us listen for what God has for us this morning. Paul writes, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on, on, and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, 
he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that the Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. Dear Lord, let the hearing of your word be blessed today so that the words you send from my mouth will not come back empty, but will accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you sent them. Amen. I cannot help but think this morning about homecomings that I could attend. Homecomings at churches that are important to me not that all of them aren't important, but where there's a personal story for me. My first recollection of communion is at Fort Deposit Methodist Church. It, we weren't united then. I was in the third grade. We still had a few more years before we became united. My grandmother was a member there. She had raised my dad. She really was my step-grandmother, but she was more of a mother to my dad than the stepmother and father who were raising him. His own mother died when he was six days old from blood poisoning. By the time you can imagine when he got into high school, things were pretty rough. But for some reason, his daddy married Miss Matilda. He caroused then too. I come from a line of some pretty deep stuff. And so Miss Matilda told him to get out. But she kept his son. And so he was able to graduate from high school and later graduated from college. <coughs> and later than that, became the deputy finance director for the state of Alabama. If I went to Fort Deposit today, I would sit in the pew and I would remember the first time of taking communion and when we walked out, I said something about, when do we get to eat next time in church? And somebody said to me, you won't do it again until you understand what you're doing. I didn't like that. From then on, I sat and I watched as people went forward. And today, I can tell you that as we all come forward, I wonder if we know what we are doing. We have to be careful about what we say to children. Then there's Northwoods Methodist Church. There I was confirmed and I remember bonfires where all you get to do is eat hot dogs and I cannot stand hot dogs. But I do remember 
a lot of fun and people who cared for me and loved me and taught me about Jesus. And then years later, coming back as an adult to Northwoods United Methodist Church and convincing my husband, who was a Presbyterian, that we needed to go to that Methodist church. I remembered being confirmed and being loved, and that's where I wanted to go as an adult many years later. And months later, when my husband went off to war, the people of Northwoods United Methodist Church cared for me. When my car broke down, they came and picked me up and got it fixed and lended me a car. When I had two miscarriages, they prayed with me. And when they needed a youth director, when Tom got back from all of his deployments, they looked at the two of us and said, you are perfect, you have no children and you're young and you need to be the youth directors. So we washed cars and took them to the beach. And then a few years later, when we had moved to another duty station, we came back there with our two-month-old son and he was baptized at two months. When the pastor asked, it wasn't the pastor we'd had at the time, when the pastor asked the people to come forward that knew the family and wanted to stand with Matthew as he was baptized, three-fourths of the church walked forward and stood around us. As the pastor asked, what name shall this child be called? Tom's Matthew Roderick was drowned out by a large burp that came out of Matthew. I would love to go back to Buncombe Street United Methodist Church for one of their homecomings. It is the church I came out of in Greenville, South Carolina. And Mr. Dupree, you say it's good to ask questions because you never know where you're going to end up. Because it is good to do that. That's the way I interpreted what you said. They wouldn't do um, or teach disciple Bible study when I could take it. So instead, I went to seminary to be a better Sunday school teacher. And now I'm the district superintendent for the United Methodist Church for the Mobile District. You really do not know where you can end up when God is calling you. And then there might be Trinity Graycourt, my first appointment. Where the historian there, when I left, gave me two little books, picture books, with pictures and articles of all the ministries and things that we had done when I served that church. They are in my office still, even as I have called out things that need to go, those two things will never go. Because what a historian does for us when we remind us of our paths is provide us the good stuff that went on. And so when life gets hard and decisions have to be made and it just seems like, why did I get called? Because we do have those days. I will pick up those two little books and thumb through them and look at all the good stuff that can happen in a church. You have talked this morning through those that have talked for you.
about being the church. And the words that were key, at least for me, I don't know what words you heard, but the words that I heard were baptized, relationships, life's journey, belonging, welcomed, loved, invited, and spiritual help. We have come today to celebrate 144 years of great ministry. But what if, instead of focusing on the 144 years, as we celebrate this wonderful homecoming, what if we also began to envision for the next 144. Because the other theme today through the music and the word and those who spoke is generations. That we are here today to be good stewards of what God has gifted us with so that for generations this church can be in this place for this community. So many times we focus on what's wrong with the church or one bit of scripture or one thing that didn't go right, that we didn't like the color of the carpet or we didn't like that one sermon or we didn't like what somebody said. And so we get all huffy and we leave. What if we stay? What if we stay through all of those things, through all of our history, the good and the bad, and we make sure that for generations to come, there is a Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist Church where people will know that they are invited, that they are loved, that they can be baptized and brought into a new relationship with Jesus Christ that you can share your experience of Jesus Christ with others, that you can have the courage to do it in new ways, and that one day, somewhere, and we don't know where, but one day somebody in a sermon is going to be talking to another group of people that you have no idea who they are, and they're going to say, when I was at Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist Church, I was being formed. And maybe they were called to preach. Maybe they were called to teach. Maybe they were called to be a choir director. Maybe they were called to be a member of the choir. Maybe they were called to fry chicken. Maybe they were called to teach children. Maybe they were called to bake pies, but they can trace it back to here. And they can say, without a doubt, Spring Hill Avenue, United Methodist Church, made a difference in my life. What if? We don't just celebrate the past, but we also focus on what we can do today 
for the generations to come. So my prayer is this for you. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him by the power at work within us is to establish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen.